0: Welcome to the Business English Podcast, the best place for non-Native professionals to learn how to communicate clearly and confidently. My name is Tanya Suarez, and in each episode, you're going to learn specific skills to develop your corporate communication, American pronunciation, and career strategy in order to build the life you deserve. Let's jump right in to part one. So here we have a three for one situation. We have the expressions, I'm good, all set, all good. Americans use these to mean like, no thanks, I have everything I need. For example, if you're at a restaurant and the server says, would you like another coffee? You're like, oh, I'm good, thanks. So even notice my body language, I'm good, but I'm saying no, which means no thanks, I don't want anymore, I'm good, thanks. For all set and all good, I could see this being used like when you're, when it's a task. I wouldn't really say that at a restaurant, although you could, someone said, Oh, would you like more coffee? I'm all set. Thanks. I'm all set. Thanks. So if you're maybe at work and your colleague says, Hey, do you need any extra help? You know, I'm available. You're like, Oh, I'm all set. Thank you. But maybe tomorrow. I'm all good. Thanks. Anyway. So notice here, it's not just, i'm good i typically follow it with thanks or in the previous example thanks anyway so i'm all good thanks anyway i'm good thanks anyway i'm all set thank you um all right all set ready to go so they're interchangeable to a certain extent but when you hear these when you're watching shows or movies or if you live in an english-speaking country don't just pay attention to the phrase Pay attention to when and how it's used. For example, I could teach you all set, but when you start listening to it in conversation, you notice that it's all set, thanks. So it's followed by a thank you. To be free. So we use this in American English to mean that I'm available. You can also use it as a question. For example, are you free this weekend? So if you, I could say, are you available this weekend? but it just sounds a little more formal. And I'll be honest, I would never say it, especially if it's a casual context. So are you free on Tuesday? Um, Let's go out to dinner. So you could use it as an invitation. Are you free this weekend? Can you help me move? So if you wanna ask for a favor, as a response, you could say, yeah, I'm free, what's up? So someone says, are you free this weekend? Yeah, I'm free, or I'm open. So I'm free, what's up? So that way you follow it with what's up, just asking like, what do you need? <laughs> but if I say, yeah, I'm free, what do you need? It's, it's not only a little more formal, but it's a little more, not aggressive, but just like, I understand your intention is a favor. So it comes across maybe, which, you know, there's a time and place for that. But if you want to be more polite or softer or just more natural, I would say, what's up? or how can I help you, if you know that it's a favor for someone. And listen to the pronunciation. Are you free this weekend? Are you? Instead of are you free, that formal you. A lot of times Americans reduce you to ya. Are you free? Are you free this week? Are you free right now? Want to grab a coffee? So are ya? Are ya? Instead of you, are you free? Are ya? So it extends a little bit. And it drops a little bit so are you free the sound is right here instead of are you are you are you free right now that sucks (laughs) this one i use you know what i'll be honest you can probably use it in almost every context maybe if it's a very formal or super professional situation um a lot of people don't like to use sucks when their kids around so it depends on your level of comfort but i use it all the time like um If your friend tells you that they can't go to a party with, you're you like, oh, that sucks. I really wanted you to come. So, oh, that sucks. If it's raining outside and you were about to go out for a run and you're like, oh man, that sucks. (laughs) So notice here, this is where listening for context helps you use it. Oh man, that sucks. So listen to how I used it. This is where I want you to pay attention to the context because learning the expression by itself, whether it's this kind of casual expression or a phrasal verb or an idiom, it's good for a test. But for real life, you wanna listen to what words they use before, after, in the middle. So here, oh man, that sucks. And for the American pronunciation, notice that I don't say that. There's no air released at the end of that T that sucks that sucks it just gently touches the top of my mouth so it gives it that very subtle T. all right so practice it like, oh man that sucks fingers crossed <laughs> so we use this a lot to mean i hope it happens or i hope it doesn't happen um, and i typically do it by doing the physical you know, crossing my fingers, but I could even just say it and not have to cross my fingers. So if someone says, oh, I haven't interviewed today, I might say, oh, good luck, fingers crossed. So that means I hope you get it. So the context lets you know what is implied. You could also say, fingers crossed, I hope you get the job, I hope it goes well. Here, I could even say, I hope it goes well, cross my fingers and it's implied in the conversation. So if you ever see someone do that, It means, good luck, I hope so. Conversely, you could use it for the negative. For example, I hope it doesn't rain today, fingers crossed. So then it just reaffirms that you hope it doesn't happen. Tell me about it. Okay, if you don't know how we use this expression and you take it literally, it can be really confusing. Like if you're telling a story and you're talking to an American and that person goes, oh yeah, tell me about it. You might think, I I am. (laughs) I am telling you about it right now but Americans use this expression to show that we agree that maybe we've had the same experience so if you're talking about let's say your morning commute like oh god I hate the traffic in the morning I might say like oh yeah tell me about it so that just means I understand maybe I've been stuck in that traffic as well Spit it out. (laughs) So if you ever have trouble saying something, maybe not in a language context, but maybe you're nervous um, and you're stumbling through your words. If you're talking to an American, who's comfortable with you that you know, they might say, come on, spit it out. I don't mean to spit, (laughs) literally. It's just an expression that we use to tell someone like, come on already, just say what you need to say. So notice that I said, if that person's comfortable with you, I would say if it's someone new or someone I don't know, or it's a very professional relationship, I probably wouldn't use that. But if it's my friend or my family member, then I would feel fine. Like my sister, I'd be like, all right, spit it out. What do you need? (laughs) It's not rocket science. For some reason, anytime we want to tell someone that something is not that difficult, or maybe you're implying that the person is making a big deal out of something, we always refer to rocket science. So we typically say like, Oh, it's not rocket science. Just do it. Or it's not rocket science. Just Google it, find a tutorial and figure it out. So the implic and notice even my body language, when I'm saying that it, there's a little sense of being condescending. (laughs) So you really want to be mindful of intonation. Like you might mean it that way, to be honest, it's kind of how we use it. Uh, But if you don't, then you want to soften up the tone a little bit. And here, listen to the pronunciation. It's not, it's not. So this is linking and blending going on over here. So instead of it's, I wouldn't say it's not rocket science. Sounds robotic, right? So it's not. So the S in it's links to the N sound in not, it's not rocket science. So here it's not rocket, no air release rocket science. This is so typical of American English. So this is something you want to be mindful of and practice. It'll feel a little weird at first, but now that you know that that's what differentiates the sound you're making from what I'm saying, it'll help you understand and practice even better. Okay. I'm not buying it. So this expression is not used to talk about purchasing things or buying things. It's used to mean, I don't believe it. (laughs) So if you are telling your friend about your relationship problems and you say like, oh, you know, my girlfriend, she's so busy. That's why she doesn't text me and and it's okay. She'll text me eventually. I might say, listen, I'm not buying it. I feel like maybe she's dating somebody else behind your back. Oh, scandal. (laughs) So here I'm saying, I don't believe that excuse and listen to the pronunciation. I'm not buying it. Because it's such a casual expression, the G at the end of buying is typically not pronounced. Like Americans reduce the G at the end a lot. Sometimes it's subtle and sometimes it's completely. I find that when I use this expression again, because it's usually a casual context and we typically use this in a friendly way. I'm not, I'm not buying it. Buying it. Instead of buying it, the buy in, the N at the end, connects to the I and it. So I'm not buying it. And here, I'm not. Before I finish the M, I'm, before I separate my lips, I start the N sound for not. I'm not. I'm not buying it. Instead of I'm not, no air release. I'm not buying it. And even the body language, right? It gets relaxed, it gets like, uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> So this is where you combine what you see, what you hear, what you feel, because it's really about the rhythm as well. at least I feel the rhythm when I think about linking and blending, like I'm not buying it. So I'm not buying it. The emphasis is on nah. I'm not buying it. She's lying. (laughs) Even there, she's lying. Lying, instead of lying. And again, this is very casual English. And pay attention to the context. Now that you know that, when do you hear Americans drop the G at the end of words? When you're watching a show, or when you're like with Americans, is it when they're in the office in a board meeting? Is it when they're hanging out with a friend? This will help you know when it's appropriate for you to use that same sound, that same pronunciation. So here we have two expressions that we use kind of interchangeably. So we have to go above and beyond or to go the extra mile. And that means to do more than is expected. You know, to go above and beyond. I like to use this one when someone has done something nice for me. Like, oh, you really went above and beyond. Thank you so much. So if someone does a favor for me, but they do more than I expected, this is a really good expression to use. To go the extra mile. Like that one's really good. Whenever I give professional advice, whether it's submitting a resume or doing a job interview, I always say, you know what? Go the extra mile. So that means do more than is expected. I would say to go the extra mile is more about action, um, to go above and beyond I use in that context, but I also use it like I did before as a, to show appreciation, to show that I acknowledge that the person did more than I thought they would, or that I would have ever, you know, thought they should. And listen to the reduction of the D and and to go above and beyond above and so the v sound links to the a above and above and beyond like 99 of the time americans drop the d and 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 honestly that really helps you if you if, ever, if you've ever tried to repeat what a native speaker says and you realize it just feels off and you can't figure it out you're like why does it sound shorter when they say it than i do it's because you're probably not using reductions so here if you said to go above and beyond. Like, oh, thank you so much. You went above and beyond. As a native speaker, it just sounds a little off. It's too much of the duh, and, duh, beyond, duh. <laughs> and I'm exaggerating for effect, so you can hear the difference. You went abo- You went above and beyond, above and beyond. And think about it. If you look at binomials, which are expressions that are connected with a conjunction such as and, we would have above and beyond, salt and pepper, salt and pepper, right? Near and far. So whenever you hear the and, listen to how native speakers say it and you'll start noticing like, wow, they really don't use the D. (laughs) And knowing this will help you understand them better. Now you know why it sounds like we are eating almost part of the words. And you can start applying it so that your English sounds more natural. The expression scoot over so this one if someone's sitting next to you and this could be sitting or standing but let's say you know what let's say i want to sit on a bench and there's a little bit of space on one side and like a small space on the other so i might sit down or before i sit down i would say hey can you scoot over that just means move over so scoot over but we link scoot scoot over So you can say it politely like, hey, would you mind scooting over a bit so I can fit? Or if it's someone that you're really close with, you might just say, hey, scoot over. (laughs) I wanna sit there. So how polite you are is totally up to you. And you can use intonation and inflection. Okay, so Americans use the word period to end their sentences. And it's a way that we, we do it in a way so that it implies that there is no negotiation. Like this is my final decision, my final statement. You can hear it with parents using it with children. Like you're going to get two toys, period. (laughs) You can use it with anyone really. So whenever you want to emphasize it, that's it. Instead of saying that's it, try using period. I wouldn't touch that with a 10 foot pole. I don't know where the 10 foot pole came from, (laughs) but for some reason, that's the measure that we use to describe how absolutely we would never touch something so wherever that distance came from why a pole i don't know but when you hear someone say it it doesn't mean that there's an actual 10 foot pole anywhere that we use it's just a figure of speech so for example maybe on a chair somebody had put their chewed gum and your friend tells you oh that's so gross can you can you clean that up for me i don't want to touch it and you might respond I wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole clean it yourself Uh, to each their own okay so this expression is used I find that I typically use it whenever you kind of either get to the end of a discussion I think it's it can be used similarly to like agree to disagree or when you just you're like you know what I don't know I don't know why they do that to each their own. It's kind of a way for me, I use it when I want to end a conversation. It gives closure to when there is a little bit of a dispute or maybe you're talking about someone else's actions and you don't really understand them. Like, I mean to each their own. So it just means everybody do whatever makes them happy. I don't necessarily understand it and that's okay. Now listen to the pronunciation. So if I were to do this word for word to each their own, very robotic, but Americans tend to reduce the two. So instead of two each, it sounds like to each to, to each their own to. So not two, but to to each their own. And now that you know that, pay attention to that because you'll hear that Americans very rarely say two. Like when you study the pronunciation, to is a homophone of the number two and of too. Two two two. But in real life, T-O is often reduced to t -uh. So this will help you with listening better, feeling more comfortable, and it will also help you sound more natural. I can't even. (laughs) So this is kind of a newer American expression. I think it's kind of known for being used by millennials. So I can't even. Grammatically not complete, but it doesn't matter because we use it in real life. And we use it to mean like, I can't deal with that. I can't believe it. So you just have to listen to the context, but essentially that's what it means. For example, if you're having drama with a friend and you get a text message from her or him, and you just look at it and you might say like, I can't even, I'll respond later. So that means you can't deal with it right now. You just don't want to deal with it right now. Mostly it means you don't want to, <laughs> not that you're physically incapable of. So I can't even. Now this one's tricky for, for language learners because of the contraction can't. Can't I find to be the hardest contraction to use because it's the one that has the biggest impact for miscommunication. So I can't even. If I say a word for word, can't but when we use it in the expression, there's no air expelled at the end with a T sound. So I can't even. It almost sounds like can, but it's can't. So if this is one that when you say it causes confusion or you know it doesn't sound right, that's okay. You know, you don't have to use everything you learn, for example, of all the expressions in this video, they're for exposure so that you feel comfortable listening and speaking with native speakers. Of the amount of phrases that you're going to learn, I want you to pick maybe one or two that you can learn how to use this week. Same thing with idioms and phrasal verbs, really anything. I find that expose yourself to a lot so that you feel comfortable in any setting and then master a few and then you build on that. So see, it's less pressure, right? But if you feel comfortable using it, now you know like, oh, I can't even, I can't even right now. Another one that's very popular right now and that I say all the time is I'm dying. Now I typically use that when I'm dying of laughter. So if someone is telling me a really funny story and I'm laughing really hard, I might say like, Oh my God, I'm dying. Did that really happen? So I'm dying means I'm laughing really hard in that context. It kind of meant like there was disbelief as well. So this is pretty, I I don't know, I like it. I think it's fun. I'll also often say, specifically if I'm laughing, I'm like, oh my God, I'm dying laughing right now. I can't believe you did that. So I'm dying, I'm dying laughing right now. Now here, imagine if I were to say it this way, I'm dying. There would be, it would be so confusing because the word dying is, well, I mean, it's pretty, pretty drastic, pretty dramatic. So if your facial expression and body language doesn't match the meaning of the expression that you're using, it's very confusing. So again, in this context, it's very lighthearted. So you want to smile or laugh like, oh my God, I'm dying, tell me more. To run errands, I love this one because it's very comprehensive. It kind of means a lot of things in one and we use it a lot. For example, if you ask an American like, oh, what are you doing this weekend? They might say, oh, I'm just running some errands. So that means that they're going to the grocery store, maybe the dry cleaners are gonna pick up a present for someone. So all of those little things fall under the category of running errands. Like we typically, in casual conversations, we don't list everything. And I think that gets lost a little bit when you're learning English at the beginning or in a traditional sense, we learn how to talk about routine, how to say, you know, going to the grocery. But in real life, we very rarely list it out because People don't care like I don't actually want to know what errands you're running it's sufficient to let me know that you're running errands so that kind of tells me okay you're probably busy most of the weekend or it might tell me okay running errands is not like super important it could be kind of flexible so maybe I can still invite you out or plan something can you believe that can you believe it <laughs> okay This expression I love because we use it so much, and it's a rhetorical question. And that means that when people say it in this context, they don't expect an answer. For example, if we're talking about current events and I tell you about something crazy that the president did again this time, and I'm going to be like, oh my God, I'm like, can you believe that? Can you believe he did that? Can you believe it? So here, I'm not actually asking or expecting you to say, yes, I believe it. It's just another way for me to express my shock about something. Now for the pronunciation. If we're using it, can you believe it? The V, believe, connects to I, it. Believe it, V. Can you, can you? Instead of can, you, can you? It goes straight from the N to the Y. Can you, can you believe it? Okay, good. And remember, if you like this kind of high level pronunciation, linking and blending tips, check out my courses. I'm obsessed with this stuff (laughs) and I think you'll like it too. It's worth it. It's not worth it. This expression is amazing because I'm always surprised at how many of my advanced students either haven't heard it or don't quite understand how to use it. And we use it all the time. So it just means that there's value to it. For example, if I'm asking you like, I don't know, like I'm thinking about going to Italy this summer, but it's kind of expensive. And you might say, Oh, it's totally worth it. You should go. Italy is amazing, which it is. So that means that it's worth the value. It's worth the money. And we can use that up for money. It could be for effort. It could be for what, for time, whatever the case is to say it's worth it means like, it's like encouraging someone like, yes, do it. Conversely, if we say it's not worth it, like maybe I would say, I'm thinking about going to Italy this summer and you might say, you know what? It's not worth it. It's so hot. I think it would be better if you went in the fall. So it's not worth it means the money and the effort you're going to spend is just, you're not gonna get a good return in the experience. So I would recommend a different time of year. For the pronunciation, notice that there's no pause. It's worth it, it's, So we've got the SW, it's worth it, the TH and the I from it, it's worth it. So three words, actually four, then we have the contraction, it's, and then we smoosh it all together and it sounds like one length word. So this is a difference between it's worth it, it's worth it. So when you link and blend properly it really helps with intonation not only does it kind of correct your pronunciation but the rhythm and the intonation is much easier to get it right so i want you to pay attention whenever you hear things that sound like they become one word eh, they kind of do so it's something that you can practice now that you know how let's grab a coffee soon so here i don't actually mean like to grab the coffee. What I mean is I'm inviting you. So when we say to grab something, it typically means let's go out and get it, let's go buy one, and it's often used in invitations. For example, oh, are you busy tomorrow? Let's go grab a coffee. So that means I want to go buy a coffee and spend time with you. So a lot of times we use it to catch up, like, oh, we should grab a coffee and catch up soon. So that means we should go to a cafe, buy a coffee and chat to just talk. Do you wanna grab a bite to eat? Now this one I love. So grab a bite. By itself, it doesn't really make sense. But now that you know that we use to grab, meaning almost as an invitation, and then a bite to eat, it's just another way of saying maybe lunch, not really breakfast unless you specify, or dinner. So let's grab a bite to eat soon. See how there it makes sense? I'm probably not inviting you to breakfast. So unless you specify it usually means lunch or dinner you want to grab a bite to eat now this could be cool for example if you work in an american or english-speaking company and you want to go out to eat instead of eating a packed lunch you might go to a colleague and say hey you want to grab a bite to eat it's kind of this neutral expression so if you have like a romantic intention then you might want to say it a little differently like do you want to grab dinner with me one day i'd love to take you out So if I say, I'd love to take you out, it means I'm paying and there it's a little clear that it's probably a date versus something friendly. So if I were telling my friend, I would say, hey, you wanna grab a bite to eat on Friday? Because it's a friend, we're probably gonna pay for ourselves, so separate checks and it's casual. So this is a, yeah, consider it like a neutral expression that you can use context to clarify if it's romantic or casual and for the pronunciation grab a grab a coffee grab a bite so the b in grab links to the a sound so grab a. let's grab a coffee soon let's grab a coffee soon no pause all right you did great if you haven't already make sure you write a sentence in the comment with your favorite expression and remember these are a lot so you want to feel comfortable with all of them familiar with them And then you want to really master one or two. So practice in the comments and I'll try to check to see if you're using it in the right context. Don't worry about mistakes. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. For more business English resources like articles, videos, courses, and one-to-one coaching with me, head over to tanyasuarez.com.